you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen of the day. Uh, podcast you can find free on every podcasting app, site, or service you can imagine. I use Podcastify. I, I know you can even get it on Amazon uh, through the Audible store. Wherever you get it, thank you for listening. Uh, as I believe I stated, I'm Jeff Ellis, uh, formerly of Scout and 24-7, where I mostly worked on the draft and some prospects. Uh, before that, I... I cut my teeth, as it were, over on Indians Prospect Insider. Uh, first series of articles were Diamonds and Single A. I think I've seen someone do something similar because it's a very basic concept. No one is copying me, but trying to write up players that were interesting. Like when the Indians traded Raphael Betancourt for Connor Graham of the Rockies, who was an Ohio kid, I thought that was a really interesting addition because he could really throw the ball hard. <laughs> Needless to say, my uh, analysis has evolved a little bit since the days of Connor Graham. Let's let's uh, can we go down a rabbit hole? Let's see if I look at his numbers now. What I would have thought about that trade uh, at the time if I would have been as excited as I was because Betancourt had been such a good reliever for the Indians. For those who are not familiar, Connor Graham was born in Bowling Green, went to St. John's Jesuit in Toledo, so crosstown rivalry. Then was a Miami Red Hawk before being drafted in the fifth round, 162nd overall. So that's a pretty high pick, especially for the MAC back in the 2007 draft. Uh, eventually being traded for Raphael Betancourt. At the time of the trade, he had been in high A with a strikeout rate of 9.75, walk, walk rate of 5.49. You know, he missed bats, and the walk rate wasn't too bad. It wasn't great. It would continually, uh, you know, he missed bats pretty strongly throughout. He never got past double A, but always the final year, the strikeout rate fell to 7. It was just a walk rate held him back. Yeah, I, I mean, I would have been intrigued. I wouldn't have been necessarily in love uh, with him as much as I am nowadays. Or as, I wouldn't be as crazy about his potential as I was then. Like, he was a fat, he threw the ball hard. He was a small school guy, so I thought there was room for growth. Get him out of uh, Colorado being just inept at developing pitching in general on top of their weirdness. That 2007 draft, uh, if you're curious to dive in, uh, Matt Weeders, your highest paid player, that is the, the David Price draft at the top. Matt Laporta, future Indian, went seventh. Other players, I mean, this is a, a draft. So your top 10, you've got David Price at one, Madison Bumgarner at 10. So those are really great. This is also the first draft that is broadcast on television, side note. This is also the year where the Indians took Bo Mills, who ended up being one of the worst first rounders of this entire draft. They would have later acquire Casey Weathers. He'd been let go, by the way, Colorado draft pick. They did really well in this one. Uh, Weathers pitched in the Indian system for a while. Weathers and Mills are the only players in the top 15 who failed to get to the big leagues. Both played in the Indians minors. David Price, then Mike Moustakis, Josh Vitters, who is uh, not good. Daniel Moskos, who was a Clemson reliever. Like It was just a weird pick at the time. Then Weeders, who most people thought was the top player in the class. Ross Detweiler, that worked out well. Jared Parker couldn't stay healthy after Weathers at eight. Then you have Madison Bumgardner, Philip Almont to Seattle, who was a centerpiece when they did their version of the Cliff Lee trade. Uh, he, I believe, only spoke French. It was a great interview with Jonathan Mayo. When I met and talked with Jonathan Mayo, we discussed, he goes, How, did you like my interview back then? 
when Amon didn't speak any English, it was, you know, he's a Quebecer. It was, you know, one of those things where first time it's ever on TV. So of course they, they have someone uh, lined up to speak who doesn't really speak hardly any English. Uh, you go down that list, Devin Morasco turned to do a good player before injuries zapped him. After that, it is, ooh, uh, you know, how much you like Clay Mortensen? Todd Frazier to the Reds. There, there's an actual good player. But it's like Ben Revere. I mean, he at least lasts a while. Sean Doolittle. You can keep going down that first round. It's uh, former future Indian Nick Hagedone. Uh, the Indians got a lot of players from this class. Just none of them ended up being good. Uh, Jordan Zimmerman. Giancarlo Stanton and Freddie Freeman. How about that with the 76th and 78th pick in the second round? Very close. Zach Cozart, 79. What a, what a stretch there in the second round of top talent. Uh, who else stands out? Uh, nearly future Indian, Jonathan LaCroix. Corey Kluber in the fourth round of the Padres. So that worked out. TJ McFarlane in the fourth round to the Indians. He would never actually pitch with the Indians, uh, but was, I believe, their most successful player from that class. Jake Arrieta, Steve Chizik. It kind of makes you feel old. You know, as the 2007 class, uh, Mark Scrabble, let's say, a future Indian. Uh, Anthony Rizzo, Lucas Duda, Matt Moore, like Tony Watson. These are guys who are now old, all old baseball players. And the 2007 draft, again, the first time it was on TV. This was the last year before I moved away from Columbus, Ohio for myself, uh, moved to New York City after that. It's a, it's an odd list to go look at, but I mean, you, you, maybe the best stat, Efren Navarro played in the big leagues. He was drafted in the 50th round, 1450 overall. Good on him. Uh, before that, I mean, you have Mike Blazik to the Cardinals at 1068, Juan Ciento to the New York Mets at 991. Jake Diekman, 923. So that's that's your guy late who's big. Man, we spent a lot of time just random flight to fancy. That's going to be this offseason. There will be those flights of fancy. But let's continue right now with our series looking at uh, the fan graphs data, as it were, doing a year in review. We did not get to the relievers yesterday. We ran out of time. Nor did we get to Eli Morgan. We you know, discussed kind of the top starters and Emmanuel Classe. But we did not get to start with Morgan. So let's let's talk Morgan. Let's talk some of those guys who are on the fringes. So Morgan this past year uh, might be interesting to point out. I talked about how he's home run. Uh, there's home run issues there. But his home run to fastball percentage tied Bieber and McKenzie. All three of them had the same home run percentage off of fastball. So it wasn't as bad. And it was not as bad. Savales was worse, as was Karen uh, Chalks. Uh, so there were players who did even worse as that. The problem, though, and here's the big one, Eli Morgan's ground ball percentage, 29. Uh, the next lowest on the Indians, I believe, is 38, and that was Blake Parker, 39 to Corinne Chalk, 38 to Kyle Nelson. I'm sorry, Tristan McKenzie had a 30. So McKenzie and Eli Morgan are a lot similar, are a lot closer than one might think. Uh, very similar ground ball percentages, very, very similar home run on fastball percentages. Uh, ERAs are very close. FIP is a bit of a difference there. XFIP, I mean, he's not quite as good, but you look at the hard information, 18 starts to 25 starts. Uh, Morgan's K percentage is lower, so he's not missing quite as many bats. And uh, 
But other than that, I mean, it's, and then his, I'm sorry, his walk percentage is lower. His K percentage is lower, 6% lower on the, on the K percentage walk percentage. His walk percentage is more than half of McKenzie's. So there's some room for similarity with those two guys. And again, this, I am firmly of the camp. You don't trade any of the six, those six starters. Let's keep them in Cleveland you're never going to have five guys start for you an entire year. That's never going to happen anymore. Let's just be honest about that. You need depth. You can have Morgan work as a long man out of the pen, kind of be Plutko-esque with a little more upside. And yeah, just run that out there. Not trading one of these arms, because again, what's Plesak really going to net you? Tristan McKenzie might net you something, but there's also going to be people who point out his inconsistencies, as I've talked about here on the show. Uh, what does Eli Morgan really net you? I mean, with his size, not much. Like Teams are still very sizest when it comes to right-handers. Uh, he is not going to net you a ton. These guys aren't really trade assets in the traditional sense, I don't think. You're not going to be able to... Sorry, cat in the background being an intentional yerk. Uh, you know, you're just not going to get the kind of the perceived value with these guys that you might because of you know Morgan's size or McKenzie's inconsistency. So, yeah, I don't really think there's a lot of trade value in the arms to begin with. I mean, the, the approach really should be trying to package multiple prospects uh, because that's where the depth is. And again, why hurt the major league team if you don't have to? They have a lot of interesting talent in the lower minors and they have a lot of just interesting infielders. Let's try to build from there. You know, that's where I kind of stand right now. You need those six. Because, I mean, Sam Hench is really going to make the team next year. Strikeout rate is at 21%. That's a little bit better in Quantrell's, but the walk rate being over 10% is the highest of anyone outside of Tristan McKenzie. You go across the line, Hench is, now his FIP and his XFIP are actually lower. <sighs> but, uh, okay, so the 668 ERA is with a bat pip of 385. So one could say he was incredibly unlucky. Like, that data should be almost 100 points lower. More and more, I'm talking myself into keeping henches. I'm, you know, I think it may be an interesting relief arm. I still, I worry that that fastball, though, is just too straight and too easy to hit. But, I, you know, I'm feeling more henches. I'm feeling less JC Mejia, who also had some bad luck. But the overall data there is uh, just not encouraging. I think they're unlikely to keep both as, but here's the thing. When it comes to Mejia, if they can get another option here, then I think he's safe. If they can't, I think he is gone. Should talk about the bullpen. Uh, going through this bullpen, uh, I think Trevor Steffen has done enough. And again, remember next year they can actually send him down to the minors. They're not uh, stuck with the Rule 5 rules. Alex Young's probably gone. Uh, Shaw and Parker are free agents. They might get camp invites, but I can't see anything beyond that. Francisco Perez and Kyle Nelson probably keep one of them. I'm not sure who is the guy they would keep yet uh, i think anthony ghost i discussed i've taken multiple points of view on him if you were a listener you know where i discussed you know is this just a reward is he going to actually stick around? i think he's done enough to stick around and the improvements after being part of team usa the continued everything i think he is here to stick i think he is part of that pen next year if you're kind of putting it together it's Class A in the back, Ghost, Stefan, Nick Sandlin, who we'll talk about uh, in segment two. So we said Ghost, Sandlin, uh, Stefan, and Henches. Uh, maybe they like I said, probably see someone like uh, Shaw make it as a camp invite. And I mean, that's 
the basis of your pen with those guys right there. Maybe they look to add, you know, uh, under the radar type or someone who they feel like they can fix and or work with. They've been quite successful in the past kind of uh, spotting pitchers that have a little bit more left. You know, the Manship to Oterra to Scott Atchison types. I mean, even that's basically what Shaw is this year. So maybe they do that. But I mean, the, the big guy and the guy we'll talk about after our first commercial break here is Nick Sandlin. He is... He's tr- what he did this year in a short time is what they hoped he would do when he was the second round draft pick. You don't take a likely reliever in the second round unless you can think he can be special. We'll talk about him and more in the second segment of our show. So what's great about the Spotify green room, and I'll be honest, I'm normally on there on Saturday nights. I could not get the software to work properly last Saturday. Uh, so I was not on the week before that. I forgot. I've got a one month old at home. Things happen. But what's great about it is you never know who you're going to talk to. You never know who you're going to find. Uh, sometimes it's just a great way to communicate with. You could set up a room, make it a you know a private room, and just talk with some buddies. You could essentially make it just a, a chat with your friends. Or you can set up a chance, and it's the evolution of the chat room. I can sit there and take questions from fans and discuss the Indians or baseball in general. There's a lot of great ways to tackle what's going on with Spotify's green room. So make sure to go check it out for yourself. Remember, there's a Spotify green room. And I am on there most Saturday nights chatting away with the Mad Thinker. Uh, closer to like 11 or later. It's typically a little bit later for me now. Uh, but Saturday nights, if you're up late, you can join us to talk some baseball uh, over at the Spotify green room. Let's talk about Bet Online. They have been a longtime sponsor. We're back and better than ever. All eyes on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of this amazing offer available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's, let's just really look at this team, pitching-wise. So if we assume the starters are Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrell, Plesak, and uh, Savali, that, that's pretty easy there. So let's figure out if we assume they're going to have, let's just go 14. Let's assume Tito is back and that they are going to go 14 deep as it were. So if we're talking about the pen, you're going to assume that you have Classe at the back of it, Corinne Chalk given an opportunity to return, Nick Sandlin, who we'll still dig into a bit deeper, who is their number two most effective reliever this past year, assuming they bring in Shaw in some form uh, as a camp invite. And then when they do uh, uh, shuffling, they'll figure a way to get him in. Stefan, I think, has done enough. Anthony Ghost has done enough. Sam Hinches is out of options. And if we look to uh, Morgan in the pen until they need a starter, so then you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's eight pitchers right there. So if they, you know, bring back a Parker, if they get another vet, uh, that's that's a full complement. They're already kind of up against it, even though the pen could certainly use work. Uh, they also have just so many arms they have to see. I mean, I'm basically just assuming that, you know, Whitgren and Allen and JC Mejia are gone. Uh, I'm assuming that Kyle Nelson is gone. 
probably. That's that's three three roster spots plus Blake Parker is four roster spots right there uh, that they can use. On two of those, you have to do when you shift guys around on sixteen man. Uh, but still, that's I mean that just opens up some things. I mean Justin Garza likely gone. That's that's another. Well, he's got options. They can retain him. Uh, but still, I mean that that kind of sets up their pen. And maybe you're out there thinking, well, we don't know what Corinne Chalk's going to be like. That's fair, but I think you plan on him being in the pen. Uh, you're like, well, maybe Shaw will get a contract. That's fair, but he also might just feel like I've only found success in one spot. Uh, I'll go back and take less money just to have more of a guarantee. Uh, Henches is not safe. Uh, you can, Morgan, maybe they'll they have options. Maybe they'll just want him to remain a starter and getting reps. Uh, down in the minors, that is also fair. So there's some spots where they could add to. But let's talk Nick Sandlin now in general. He's the one guy on this list we have not. I guess we didn't go too deep on Trevor Steffen, so we'll do Sandlin then Steffen. So Sandlin only had 34 games this year. And, I mean, first it should be pointed out that he is a reliever who they took in the second round. That's almost unheard of for them. And they moved him to that relief role rather quickly. He moved through the minors very quickly to a degree. And I say that to a degree because if they didn't add him to the 40 man uh, at the end of the season, I mean, they obviously did during the middle of the season, but he needed to be added on in the next calendar year. That's actually kind of a slow curve for a college pitcher who is supposed to be a reliever from day one to the the year he's going to have to be rostered for the 40 man. You almost expect that guy to make it after two years. And he was kind of on that track, but the constant, constant story when it comes to Nick Sandlin is health. And we saw it again this year. That's why he only pitched in. There were very effective games, but it's still only 34 games for the Indians. Uh, his FIP of 296, where would that just rank on the Indians? Now, FIP, for those who don't know, that's fielding independent uh, pitching. So it's like based on how they are pitching, what is the getting rid of fielding. It's the best predictor uh, of future success, I believe still amongst pitching stats, because it takes everything into account and kind of looks at just the pitcher themselves Uh, of, you know, anyone who appeared in more than 10 games. uh, Emmanuel Classe led the team. Nick Sandlin was two. Bieber, three. Uh, Phil Maton, four. Paul Quantrill, Blake Parker tied for five. Uh, so that says like how good Sandlin was. Uh, ground ball percentage of 41. He keeps it down. Walk percentage a little higher than most of the other players when you're talking about his at 12.1%. That was actually, what, fifth highest on the team. He, he was ahead of it. Well, Kyle Nelson had the worst. Then Justin Garza, Karen Chalk, Young, Alex Young, then Nick Sandlin. And that's, again, why I Alex Young might have been born in Northeast Ohio. But uh, those 10 innings will likely be, be his entire career uh, here. He just, every stat negatively re, uh, redirected at him. And why Garza also could be, you know, if they really feel the crunch, someone who might uh, might be on the outside looking in. So Sandlin's control was not always there, but he missed bats 34%. Uh, you know, of the batters he faced, he struck out 34% of, again, players who appeared in more than 10 games, the only one with a higher K percentage was Phil Maton, which is when you talk about those two data points, or not that one, the, the you know, some of his other data points, you can see why uh, Maton had trade value. But uh, Sandlin's performance was rather brilliant for the window he was in. If you're like, well, was he unlucky? No, his bat pip was a little below league average, nothing 
too massive there. Uh, I mean, next year, we don't know what Karen Chalk's going to be. Corinne Chalk, I'm sorry. We don't know what Corinne Chalk's going to be. They, If you're the Indians, you almost assume if healthy, which is a huge if. Like, I mean, Sandlin hasn't been. You go back to uh, 2020, that was a year of him trying to get right, and the reports were very negative at the alternate site, to the point where you heard me on this podcast say, I don't know if he's going to pitch in the big leagues this year. I don't know if they're going to roster him. Uh, the velocity was down. The command was a mess. He got it together and then was brilliant in the big leagues. But, I mean, the reports were highly negative from 2020. 2019, he was done pitching in, like, beginning of July, or was it beginning of June? I mean, it was – he got hurt and was down. Uh, he had – after being drafted, in his draft year, he got all the way up to double A. And then, you know, the last COVID season and injuries, he just didn't progress from there uh, until – essentially this season. Uh, so yeah, 2018, he got up to double A for four innings in his draft year. 2019, he gets up to triple A. He throws a total of 26 innings that year. Uh, and then this year, he was he was just alternate site until he got called up. He never actually pitched in the minors. So yeah, it's it, for a guy to reach, as a college reliever, to reach a double A in 2018. 2019, if he stays fully healthy, he might have hit the big leagues that year. Uh, it doesn't happen for him, and then he ends up getting there this year. So he's right now he's your eighth inning guy, in my opinion. Until you feel comfortable with Krinchok after the sticky substance ban, which again it is right there on front street that it certainly seems that he was one of the worst offenders, statistically or through video evidence. I don't know what his role is going to be, but Sandlin was this team's number two reliever for parts of this year, and if he'd been fully healthy, he might have fully established himself in that role. And I think you kind of go into next year with the plan of him being the Indians' number two reliever. I said we'd talk about Trevor Steffen, so let's also dig into him. Someone who I've already scheduled into their pen. We'll see if the Indians agree or disagree with me there. So when it comes to Steffen, he hit a negative war. So let's put that there. He still has a chance, though, even with the negative war, because the Indians have been so bad when it comes to their Rule 5. They have lost so much talent. If you go back and listen to my podcast from last year right after the Rule 5, I dig into the Rule 5. The Indians have never even found an average regular, and they have lost multiple future all-stars in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, they have lost a ton of talent, and they cannot find anyone for themselves. They can't, like I said, they can't even find one average regular. Not one. Uh, so Stefan still has a very good chance of being that. Now, this past year's BAPIP says he's about that he was you know, not unlucky. Uh, his strand rate was pretty high which you you kind of actually don't want to see that you'd rather that was a little bit lower because that also showed that does show that he was lucky uh his fip data is not great now he did miss bats and the walk rate isn't terrible and again i just want to point out new york has been pretty awful at pitcher development go look at their pitching staff right now it's almost all mercenaries and guys have had to trade for uh, the Debbie Garcias of the world, Lucas Gill, uh, I guess is you know the big success, but they don't have any consistency. Luis Servino might have been the guy if he could stay healthy. So the Indians adding him, I think, was just smart from the perspective of the Yankees don't know what they're doing when it comes to pitching development. It's part of the reason they went and signed Matt Blake away from the Indians to be their pitching coach. There's some room for development. There were times where Stefan looked like he was going to be a back-end arm. It didn't quite all come together. I'd be curious to see what they can do. And I got to see how many, I believe he has options. Yeah, he's got three options left. So even if he makes it out of camp, he uh, could still spend some time in AAA uh, with the uh, Columbus team. 
I'll be curious to see what they do, what he can do to continue to step forward. I mean, he's got a potential plus fastball, plus slider. We know the Indians love guys with sliders. We'll, uh, later in this week, we'll di- dive into the Savant data for this entire team. But just keep your eye on him. He's one of the wild cards for this bullpen for next year. Could be a central piece. Could be an up-and-down guy. We'll have to wait and see. Let's take a quick commercial break and come back and talk about some Indians history. Churro puffs are back. You're going to want to jump on this. This is one of the top three flavors I've ever had over at BuiltBar.com. Go get the churro puff. You won't regret it. If you've been on the line, especially if you kind of like marshmallow texture the the puffs are a little bit more of that marshmallow texture i think you can still get the mint uh puffs as well and they have the cherry lime flavor which really sounds interesting i am still enjoying my banana cream and uh i got some cookie dough left so i'm that's what i had for breakfast and lunch today that is i had a soylent and a built bar and then i had two built bars at lunch helps me get through the day i've got a short time to eat it is perfect for that. When you go to Built Bar, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's what I use to get 15% off your order. Just do it for yourself. It is delicious. It is healthy. It fills you up. It makes you feel good. I love Built Bar, and I don't just say that because they're a sponsor. It is a product I legitimately love and use daily. I got this nice little block here, and I talked about history because I didn't want to dive into all the Savant data. I figured we'll do another show with Savant data. Instead, I was looking at the nationalpastime.com, and there's three things that happened on October 5th, which is when I'm recording, and October 6th, when you listen, there's a whole bunch. So uh, October 5th, the day I'm recording, uh, in a duel between two 19-game winners in 1980, Scott McGregor gets his 20th victory for the Orioles, Len Barker gets to uh, loses, so he sits at 19-12, and 12, never gets close to being a 20-game winner again. On that same day, the Yankees break the American League regular season attendance record, which had previously been held by the Indians. Uh, That's right. For an entire season, the Yankees had 2,622,417 fans. The record was previously held, that's right, at a point in time, I'll say that's right, uh, for a fourth time, by the Cleveland Indians with a mark of 2,620,627 fans in, in 1948. It's hard to believe you think about 48, you think about the 90s. That's right. There's a time where the Indians could sell games out. And then this was another one that made me go, huh. The Indians with six games left on the schedule in 2009, fire Eric Wedge. Uh, It's hard to, not hard to think, but it's kind of crazy that, I was like, what happened in 2009 that there were still six more games? You know, you forget that they changed things a little bit. So the season didn't go later. So we didn't have quite as late of a postseason uh, as it were, but that it could be, Early October, and there's still six games left. Part of me is also a little bit jealous. So over at the National Pastime for October 6th, when you're all out there listening, they have a, you know, the Indians knock off the defending world champion Yankees in game five of the ALDS. The video says 97. Their date on it says 95. I'm pretty sure this is 97 when they knock off, they beat Baltimore and make it to the World Series, not 95 when that happens. Uh, Going down the line, 2007, game two of the ALDS at Jacobs Field. It's the Midge game, if you were listening. This is the anniversary of the Midge game. And then uh, back in 2012, see, I was working in Ohio. It was my first year back. I was actually quite happy to be back. It was a fun year. 
working at the Sacred Heart School in Wadsworth of, uh, of, of all places my first year back. I don't know why of all places. So if you're in the Wadsworth area, I was there and working for a time. Thank you for listening now. That's when they hired uh, Terry Francona. No matter how you feel, and I've had my own ups and downs with Tito, uh, that was the beginning of what's turned into, you know, there's the 90 Indians, and then there's this 2000 teen Indians. Those are the two best runs of my lifetime, and two of the five best runs uh, in Indians history, and that's not even up for debate. Uh, let's check our time here. Do we have time? I was going to talk about Len Barker, but there's almost too much to talk about. So that Len Barker season, very quickly, where he had the chance to get the 20 wins, he would only break, he would have a 19-win season and a 15-win season, never have over 10 wins outside of those two years, just those two years. An all-star in 81, that is, of course, the perfect game year, the one he pitched before I was born, so there hasn't been one yet. And it's interesting, if you're not, if you didn't know, the Indians traded future near Cy Young winner Jim Kern, who had been a great reliever for the Indians, who's probably one of the greatest relievers in team history, uh, along with LeVar uh, Blanks. And they got Bobby Bonds' last great season. Uh, They would flip him for more assets later. And they got Len Barker. That's one of those trades that's no doubt a win for the Indians. Of course, I hadn't realized then that Len Barker, Atlanta, down the stretch, is trying to uh, beat the Dodgers because divisions were weird and the Atlanta Braves are part of the NL West. That's right. And the Indians, uh, for Len Barker, got Brett Butler, Brooke Jacoby, uh, Rick Bihana, who I don't really know. I'm probably butchering the name. And $150,000 in cash. I mean, that's quite a bit back in that part of the day. Uh, Barker essentially had a dead arm. Like he, he was, after he got traded from Cleveland... Uh, he would go to Atlanta. He was okay for them down the stretch. The next year, he pitched 126 innings, and again, okay. And they gave him a four-year, $5 million contract, which is huge for that era. That's one of the biggest contracts in baseball. And they end up releasing him with three years left on that contract. Uh, quite a solid return for the Indians. Both times, <laughs> Len Barker, it turned out well. Both times, they were involved in a Barker trade, I should say. It worked out well for the Indians. So I thought I'd throw that extra bit of history in there since we mentioned Len Barker having had a chance at 20 wins and then he would never break he would get to 15 wins but then that's it throughout that guy's entire career it was a long career he would never get more than nine wins in a season and this is back when uh, pitcher wins kind of meant something because you pitch so much deeper and you pitch so much more that you had more control there was more control of a game as a starter than there is nowadays Uh, pitcher wins are still junk but it was a little less junk back then I hope you enjoyed the show. As always, feedback, feedback, feedback. It just helps me know what fans want, things to do, and the like. I did want to address a specter in the room of the co-hosts. Caleb and Pat don't have time. It just comes down to that. Uh, They are doing their own stuff. They will not be back. Uh, We're searching when it comes to co-hosts. I don't have any information for listeners. I am still here. I am still recording. I know many people enjoyed both Caleb and Pat. But uh, they got other stuff. It happens. That's life. Nothing against them. I wish them both well. I'm going to enjoy a lot in five years when, you know, they're the big names and I'm like that guy that they used to know. Uh, They both have very bright futures ahead of them. Uh, They're always welcome to come back on guest spots. But yes, uh, that is what has happened there. If you're curious right now, I am holding things down. Kind of as always, let's be honest. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. Remember to rate and review. It really helps the show. Do me a favor. How many of the, I mean, 500 plus shows. 
all free, mostly very consistent. Uh, leave me a review on whatever you listen on. That just helps. Uh, we were the number three baseball podcast in China last week. Uh, so thank you to my Chinese listeners. Number three baseball podcast in China. I'll take it. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, thank you uh, to our listeners over there. Uh, we always do well in Italy and Australia, where we fell out of the top 200 in, in the United States. Uh, apparently, I, I just appeal to the, the international crowd more than the local crowd. But uh, rate and review really helps. Uh, download daily. That's so helpful. Make us your first listen. Just part of your routine. Uh, get a friend. Uh, the like uh, more downloads the better let's crack that top 10 let's continue to momentum and grow the show again i've been jeff ellis you can follow me on twitter at jeff mlb draft make check out my way too early mock over at mlb draft uh, now.blogspot.com and as we say now go go guardians go